Hey, Jamie. Hello, Keith. Tronics. How are things on your end, sir? Uh, Things are going pretty good. It's finally starting to look like spring, kind of. Like, I don't think it's going to snow anymore, hopefully, but... (laughs) uh, It always snows one more time, man. When you think it's not going to snow, it's one more time. So I planted grass seed, and then it snowed and froze over. And is this so your first really time in, uh, in the Midwest? Seed. I mean, dude, it was April. This is your first time in the Midwest. It's fine. It's fine. I've lived in the Midwest my entire life. But well, uh, it doesn't You're not even one years old. April. <laughs> All right. I'm going to find data for this for our show nights. Show nights. So you're <laughs> thinking that you're going to find data that it snows 100% of the time in April? Not 100%, sir. We're well, I said about... it doesn't always snow in April. So Ooh. there we go. <laughs> All right. But yeah. I'm still so, going to do uh, it for the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. This will be a vendetta <laughs> where we just start putting show notes in there that are just like proof. Passive aggressive show notes. Yeah. We're just like, oh, let me, uh, let me add this extra bit of metadata here. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, the, the lockdown continues. And uh, I think I've pretty much come to the point where I'm just, I have really low, really low expectations on myself to get anything done besides job, job work at this point. It's perfectly fine, man. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. So I'm not going to have a ton to talk about this week. Just like I had literally nothing to talk about last week. Although uh, the stuff I will talk about, you know, I'm just going to get into it, I guess. Go get into it. Let's do it. My, my big, I was going to learn HashiCorp stuff and use Nomad for container work orchestration. Uh, I threw that away, dude. Like I was, as I continued digging further and further into it, I realized like it's kind of a waste of time. No offense to HashiCorp. Like they build really cool stuff, but for what I'm doing, it's a waste of time in the sense that it's like almost not a valuable skill to have. And like, I'm a, I love containers, right? I, I have been using Docker for years and years. I, I like it a lot. And I think it makes development um, easy to spin up and make it portable and do that stuff. I like the the deployment story of it most of the time. Um, but Nomad is one of those things like in terms of container orchestration, like there's like got to be a fractional percentage of like organizations that use containers that actually use Nomad. So that's one of those things that if I look at it in terms of like, am I learning skills that are useful to my career? That's like a big gnaw dog on that one. So I just switched back to Kubernetes. Is it because it's geared towards like super enterprise? Well, so I don't know. I think it's because it's like, it's the underdog, right? Like uh, I saw a stat the other day that was something like 82% of organizations that utilize containers use Kubernetes as their orchestration engine. And that's like such an astronomical lead that nothing else can compete with that. Like Mesosphere, the thing from Apache has no chance. Docker Swarm has no chance and also is not nearly as good. Um, Nomad has like some merit to it in the sense that it's kind of like the Sinatra versus Rails approach, right? Like you're you're taking the, yeah, that's actually the perfect comparison between Kubernetes and HashiCorp products is Kubernetes is Rails. Like it has all the things that you kind of need and then it's extensible and you can build on top of it. And, and it's, it's wildly popular versus like Sinatra is the, the artisanal uh, approach to doing this kind of thing in, hmm. in Ruby land. And I would say nomads probably going to end up being that for container stuff. And Docker is, it, and Docker is rack. 
Oh, and dang. Knock, yeah, kind of. There you go. Yeah, that, that sort of works, I think. Um, so, yeah, I ended up deciding, you know what? This is sort of a bad, bad play on my part just to learn a bunch of stuff like Kubernetes. I'm still going to have to catch up on some things because I haven't messed with it in years. But literally, I have my current job because I dug into Kubernetes and thought it was cool and created some videos on it. So it's kind of nice to, to look at it again. And I'm using the... Um, the hosted Kubernetes or the managed Kubernetes stuff that DigitalOcean has as an alternative to me spinning up like a my own cluster of Nomad servers and then needing a cluster of console servers and all that jazz. So there's still quite a bit I need to do, but I think I should be pretty close to getting everything set up to where I can just start like slinging pods around and getting things uh, set up with domain names and and whatnot pretty quickly. But I'm just not quite there yet. What was the what was like the the straw that broke the uh, the Docker back for for Nomad? Like was I was just so unenthusiastic about digging into it because I knew I was going to be searching through documentation for six different products for hours mm. before I ever got anything to actually work. Mm. And then yeah, on top of that, knowing like, dude, nobody uses this. I I I like um, at a certain point. I mean, I love learning stuff, and I mean the amount of random programming languages I've dug into and spent, you know, hours programming with just to figure out the like, oh yeah, this is cool, but it's like not applicable to me ever using it in a like professional setting. Not that that's everything, right? Mm -hmm. But when I look at it and go, I'm so wildly frustrated by what I'm doing right now because it's a novelty, but it's just setting me back that, uh, that was the, kind of the thing. And then I look at it and I'm like, so we also have a thing at a cloud guru that we have idea hours where we basically get a couple hours a week that we're allowed to just work on personal development stuff. It doesn't have to be related to anything I do with work. Um, but I was like, oh, I should just learn Kubernetes. That's like applicable to my job. That's applicable to stuff I want to do outside of the job. And so I'm going to do that. I'm probably actually going to go take their like Kubernetes certified application developer certification, which is supposed to be like really, really hard. Um, and I think it would be kind of fun just to get a certification for that. But yeah, so that was kind of the thing is basically it was it was sucking the what little enthusiasm I have for programming on side project stuff right now, just from lockdown, lack of energy, that kind of jazz. It was sucking that very little that I have completely away. And mm. so I was like, I need to just remove this as a factor mm-hmm. so that I can get back what little enthusiasm I can muster up in this current state and uh, get back to doing things. And that that successfully worked. Like I'm I'm having a lot more fun. Like I'm still reading through documentation and stuff, but I know roughly where I'm going because I know the things that I need. I just need to make sure that like I have the right syntax for it and that I'm doing best practices still. And like, because it's been, you know, three years since I really messed with Kubernetes and a lot has changed since then. It's a very fast moving project. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. So that was, that was pretty much my thing. So your, your thing, your update is that you're not going to use <laughs> no, well, I have like my Kubernetes cluster and stuff spun up. Uh, there are some things uh, I okay. need to figure gotcha. out with, uh, with actually doing the routing to services and whatnot. Basically I want to get it set up so that I can have let's encrypt auto, um, cert generation for domain names rigged up mm-hmm. quickly and so that I can have it deploying the application from CICD uh, quickly. But I need to figure out kind of the ingress layer to to the routing bit so that I can configure my domain names and stuff. Because that was actually something I don't think I ever did when I was messing with Kubernetes before is like actually figure out how to get that routing level done right. I always just like went to the the IP address of the service that I was exposing. 
And um, with the SSL layer on top of that, I'm not 100% sure what I need to do. So I'm, I'm digging in a little bit deeper in that in that uh, direction. But like that's a very small problem that I know I need to work with. And the cool thing with Kubernetes and the way that it, you have to kind of work in a clustering fashion is like now I have I have a load balancer in like three servers. But once this is set up and I have my my configuration layer in there for for like actually routing to services, if I have like a small service, like external web service that I need to build, I can just deploy it to this cluster with like by creating a YAML file in the repo and running a command. Um, That's pretty cool. And it won't be a matter. I mean, and it'll divvy it to the right spot and I can get traffic routing to it uh, fairly quickly. So like it's it's one of those things that has a the upfront cost is is decently large I and mean, way smaller than the Nomad approach. But the the end payout will be that I'll have of things that like I can actually auto scale and I can deploy multiple things really quickly. Like it, it'll empower me to do it from my developer, like with my developer hat on and not have to throw my ops hat on all the time. Mm-hmm. Cool. That sounds cool. Updating a YAML file and having pretty cool deployment process happen. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's currently where I'm, where I'm going. Um, I'm hoping like next week I should for sure have the Kubernetes bit done, um, which would be nice. And then I can just focus back on the project. So and actually I have kind of a light weekend in terms of like stuff to do around the house this weekend. So I'm hoping that I can get a little bit extra time to, to really sit down and, figure out everything I need to with Kubernetes stuff and just button this part up. Have you seen the, um, the new up? I don't know if they're updates or I know that Phoenix live view was like released in, in Phoenix. Uh, yeah, it's part mm-hmm. of 1.5's release 1. candidate that just came out. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to swap to just running the release candidate since I'm still in pre-release for yeah. the foreseeable future. And 1.5 will almost definitely be out in full before I release something. Yeah. Chris McCord did a, a little demo, like, uh, Kind of like DHH's blog template demo uh-huh. <laughs> back when Rails came out, but uh, he did it like um, creating a, a clone of Twitter. Uh, yeah, real time Twitter clone. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Which that would be nuts to do, like, and in, in actuality, if you had that many people, because I know for that Phoenix can handle like a ton of WebSocket connections at one time. But just with the way that it would work, like if I write a message and it shows up to everybody like instantly. That uh, that'd be pretty, pretty intense to uh, to see in action, especially like mm-hmm. the observer view. Like I would love to see like, OK, how many processes are running when this thing is all said and done? You know what I mean? If you have yeah. like 100,000 people on there, like how many processes have to run in order to manage that many connections to this machine? <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting. Cool. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Nice. So I, I kind of did what you were talking about uh, just by signing up with Gigalixer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I uh, successfully moved Chronic and Active Backgrounds over to Gigalixer and have it nice. integrated with the CI, CD. And it's awesome, man. I'm so happy I made that decision. So I got everything deployed. Everything's deploying now. So I have a pretty good working beta copy on my actual device. And so I've been using chronic for the majority of the week uh, in my own work, which is pretty cool. And the thing that's severely lacking, just being able to to use it as just kind of a Pomodoro timer, is just notifications when the Pomodoro is up, Um, because it really takes you out of your zone. You know, if you keep looking at the timer and and seeing if, if you crossed over into a break or not. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's, uh, that's going to be my next topic I'll talk about. Uh, but continuing with the Gig Elixir stuff, I shut down all the DigitalOcean machines. Uh, I don't think I turned off the chronic side yet, but I shut them down. Um, and I made a little, a little video to demonstrate um, how it works because um, Gig Elixir, you can deploy kind of just normally um, like you would like mm -hmm. on Heroku or something and it will, will replace the slug and everything thereby killing all the processes. Um, but that's kind of the default behavior out of the box. Uh, and then if you add like one little Git header in your Git config, um, which gets sent over when you Git push it to Gig Elixir, um, then all of a sudden it'll do the hot code reloading, uh, which, is, nice. which is pretty cool. So uh, that's really all you have to do on your CI CD environment is to uh, configure that header. And uh, now you have hot code reloading in your CI CD. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Did you uh, move over? This is kind of like CI CD wise. Did you move over to GitHub yet? No, I have. I have not because I'm still kind of unfamiliar with uh, GitHub Actions and their deployment API stuff. Mm -hmm. um, just I've never implemented. You know, I just kind of read about it from the outside. So I haven't, you know, put in the time yet to, to learn that. It's kind of not a high priority at this point. Yeah, it's yeah. super similar uh, to to all the other tools yes. you've ever used for sure. Yeah. But it's kind of neat because you can say like add an action and then you can search for one. So you could be like, oh, add an action to test my Elixir project. Yep. And there's like, you know, people in the marketplace have already kind of shared those sort of things. Yep. So yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. It's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I wasn't sure if you had, had already done that. But yeah, I mean, there's no real need to at this point if you're um, now that you have a much simpler deploy process like GitLab still. Like GitLab CI is actually nice. I, I like the CI portion of GitLab quite a bit. Yeah, I like the Git, GitLab CI as well. Um, the only uh, reason to, to move over right now at this point is the $50 I'm spending on Mac Stadium a week or a month. Sorry. To, oh, true. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. And I and I was told, uh, I was told that uh, GitHub would have a, a Mac machine that you can build off of for free. So. Ah. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I still don't know why I'm being charged for, by GitHub anymore, but because they just released like free teams. So I'm not sure. And they just well, charged me. And they, they lowered the professional plan down to be four bucks a month. Yeah, but they're still charging me like $20 a month. So I wonder if we have to do something. Huh. Anyway. So yeah. So deployment went very well. I'm very, very pleased with Gig Elixir. Um, and the next thing I started working on... Um, was uh, what I'm calling Reverb, which is the um, feature to um, be able to play sounds. Uh, you'll be able to play your own sounds and things like that when Pomodoro's end. And so I started. I just started this yesterday. And um, what I want to do is build this up as a server-side plugin. Um, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. But uh, mm -hmm. I want to take <clears throat> as much of the client load off of the client and, and move it to the server so that the server can use webhooks um, on the service to to send payloads to to chronic or to the chronic's uh, client endpoints. So uh, one thing I was looking for was kind of like an unsplash for sounds so that, um, mm -hmm. well, well, two reasons. One, I would like to just get a library of sounds that I could use. And yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. And then royalty-free sounds, obviously. And then two, 
I was wondering if there's like an API, kind of like Unsplash, where you can say, hey, give me X sounds. Therefore, you have like an unlimited um, amount of sounds. And I found a um, service called Audio Blocks, which does just this. It's basically... Yeah, I've used this before. Where were you this on Twitter, sir? Where, intro, where were this you? This is the intro and... <laughs> <laughs> this is where the intro outro and like our bleeping noises come from oh i i had an audio box subscription that. back when i was doing youtube stuff <laughs> that's 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 uh where that sound came from um yeah that's cool did you know that they had an api around this i did not know they had an api supposedly they do they they said but i haven't even looked at the docs so i started like playing around with the client side uh, of playing sounds on mm-hmm. an expo app and like everything on expo, it's pretty simple. Um, and you can even specify a URI, uh, so it can come from the internet and there's like a slight, especially with these sounds, right? There's like a slight delay mm-hmm. to download it. So I've kind of come up a plan of like when to download it. So it's ready to play right away. So things like that. So I've kind of like sketched out kind of what this is going to look like. And I think I'm, Oh, okay. Ready, yeah, that makes ready sense. to start on the uh, Reverb API project. So, are you just going to have them download the sounds whenever the workflow step is started? Yes, probably. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Similar to, I think, how the Active Backgrounds is going to work. So it'll probably download it before it needs it. So mm-hmm. it can it can play that. It can execute on that stuff really fast. Nice. And the other the cool thing, the other cool thing is I, I gave my daughter who's thirteen. Um, access to chronic. So I made her a test user mm-hmm. in test flight, uh, because she's doing like the Pomodoro technique uh, for homework. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Nothing. I like, she just like came up and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. Like, you know, she's, I was like, Oh, that's a Pomodoro technique. Cause she never knew it by that name, but so it was pretty, Oh, no jokes. It wasn't even like inspired. Yeah. It you. wasn't even inspired. That's wild. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Um, so she gave me a bunch of feedback on, you know, on Chronic on the iOS app. So, uh, and the the main thing that she was looking for is she didn't know. Uh, well, two things. She didn't know when the Pomodoro was up. And I said, well, sounds is coming. So it was cool that we're on kind of on the same page. And then the mm-hmm. second thing was um, she was always afraid that the Pomodoro was still running. So like, she's like, well, if you shut down the app, is that timer going to still go? And I was like, yep, yep. Timer still run. And she's like, well, I'm always afraid. Like, you know, I walk away and the timer's still going and I don't want that. And, uh, I, I explained to her the feature that I was planning on to help that because all the Pomodoro apps that I use also have that same issue. Like you walk away and you're upstairs and you're like, oh crap, I forgot to stop my timer or pause my timer. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I explained to her about the push notifications and the smart push notifications and, and knowing so it'll it'll prompt you to say, hey, do you are you sure you want to stop your your timer and stuff? So it's pretty cool that that she had all these issues and like I already have answers. It's not something I haven't thought about, which was which was pretty cool. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. So those are the two things I I'm worked on over the the last two weeks, um, and I've actually come up with uh, with a change of plans here a little bit. Oh, okay. So uh, a few months ago, I lost my co-founder. You might be aware. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've always been planning on relaunching, you know, iOS app, the Mac app, and maybe a few other platforms. I've come to a realization Mm -hmm. that that's way too optimistic, uh, for, for myself. And, um, and I want the iOS app to be really, really good. 
Uh, it's not, it's not even close to being there yet. And, uh, and I want to start getting a lot more feedback and promoting this and making sure I have the marketing channels nailed down and I'm talking to the right people. So I'm, my, my new plan is just to release the iOS app at first. Um, I'm, I'm going to start working on the Mac app so that soon after I release the iOS app soonish, I'll be able to release the Mac app. So I'm kind of excited for that. There's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel now. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I did this great application and now I got to start on a whole new one, you know? Yeah. And I, I would like to have it ready by the the launch if if that happens this year. Who knows? Uh, although I, I think it is going to happen. Uh, the launch of the new iPhone. Um, oh. Okay. And I, I still, from what I've read and obviously Apple has released <laughs> probably more stuff than it has Ever in the last, you know, a month and a half or so, you know, new MacBook, new iPhone, uh, new iPad, new iPad keyboard, you know, so they've, their cadence of releasing stuff is, is still seems pretty impressive. And, and so I've, yeah. I've heard that there's the iPhone 12 is still going to be on, on target to release this year. So I'm, I'm just going to gear towards that, uh, September, October release. And hopefully I have, um, chronic ready, ready by then. With all like its bells and whistles. And the other thing, like cool. the other thing I was concentrating too on is like, oh, I got to get this API out too. I want to release the API, but that's, that's stupid when I thought about that. Like no, A, nobody's going to want an API for this on day one. Like the no. application and the platform need to get traction before people start wanting to use an API for it. So um, I'm not going to worry about that either, which is nice. Um, so I've just kind of simplified my goal for now. And, and that's just to release the, the iOS app only. Ah, you're doing the minimum viable product. Uh, no, approach. I'm not. Well, I'm doing my version of the minimal viable product. The, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. version that I think uh, that I would want. Or else it, it just gets lost in the, the rest of the Pomodoro app field. Yeah, exactly. The version that you're proud enough to yeah. deliver. Yeah. Right? And when you think about the factors that you put into this product, then yeah, this is the minimum viable. Right. I mean, it's the identity of the product. Like it's, yeah, it's not the, you're not just like putting a timer out there and being like, here you go. It's here's, here's the entire thing right now. We only have one client, but there will be more. Right. And yeah, going from there, I think that's smart. Yep. Especially being a solo founder. Yeah. My plan is not to be a solo founder, which brings me to, to another thing that happened as I talked to a uh, design agency and uh, they're uh, most likely, uh, I'll be able to uh, comment on that next time, but hopefully going to, to help me uh, design uh, the marketing page. So one of my other goals is to start marketing this now uh, a lot more heavily than I have been. And so there's a few factors with that. Like I have to, f- I have to find the audience. I have to find where the people that are going to use this application hang out and, um, I have a few ideas of, of where that is, but productivity gurus, you know, people focused on productivity and, and talking about productivity, mm-hmm. those types of people um, and people that already use like the Pomodoro technique. And so uh, I want to start like finding where those people hang out and chatting with them and talking with them and then allowing them to say, hey, here's a here's a marketing page that will make you get excited about the product instead of what I currently have up there now, which is just. It's trash, really. It was like a you know a day a day long endeavor to to, to put that up. You know, I, I've explained to them some of my ideas. And my hope is that they you know they're a really good design agency. 
so my hope is that they they come back with with some some even better ideas um and then i'll take the design that they come up with on the the web app and um move that you know, over to chronic and stuff and the other cool thing with only concentrating on the iOS app is I don't really need to worry about like a full, what does the full version of the application look like? You know, not just the mobile version. What does the, you know, just, just concentrate on the mobile version. So that's also a nice, a nice side benefit of just concentrating on the iOS app. So hopefully I have more news about that. I'll have more concrete plans about my marketing efforts as well. On the founder front, are you trying to find a non-technical co-founder to manage the marketing side of things? Or are you looking for somebody to um, come in as like design, but still technical kind of thing? Probably more technical. Uh, the most help that I need is on technical side. I realized like there's so much work technical side that, you know, having anybody do anything else. I don't know. I'm not sure yet, to be honest. I'm kind of confused uh, as to to what I'm looking for. But right now I'm, I'm gearing more towards a technical founder, co-founder, um, hopefully somebody that's launched their own products um, so that they know kind of the marketing side of things. Yeah, that'd be good. So, but I haven't, I haven't really had the time to even sit down and think and look. And um, I'm kind of just having my ears open and seeing, you know, seeing if the possibilities out there for anybody but not really putting a lot of effort into to finding somebody because just I've been just heads down and, and building the product. So makes sense. Yep. Uh, I also signed up for the uh, Pomodoro class. Uh, I talked about a few episodes. I, about this I knew you were going to do it, but that was like two months. Yeah. Ago, so and I never it. did because the timing. Uh, so he has two kinds of two, two classes, class times, mm-hmm. one that's easy for Europe and one that's easy for us to attend. Um, ah, based okay. on time zones and he only had the, the, the Europe side, uh, open. And so I would have had to get, you know, it, the class would have been like at three or 4 AM us time. So since then he's released a few classes, uh, I think since the quarantine lockdown stuff, he's released a few more us friendly, uh, classes. So, uh, I think the beginning of May sometime it's like a three, four hour class, but the, the main thing I'm going to, I want to get out of that is more of, okay, who are these people attending? You know, where are they mm-hmm. coming from and how can I talk to these people? So, so I'm excited about gotcha. that. Yeah. It sounds good. Um, yeah. So my next two weeks are probably just going to be the implementation of uh, reverb or the, the sounds and stuff on chronic. Sweet. Yeah, I plan on having my Kubernetes endeavor uh, completed and buttoned up by the time. Um, honestly, by the end of the day would be my like ideal goal, but that's optimistic. But yeah, but definitely by the next time we talk, I should be out of ops land, back into dev land. Uh, oh, I, that lands so much better. Be in that spot, that'll be good. Yeah. Cool. Well, it was great All talking to right. you. Well, I will talk to you in two weeks. All right. See ya.